We have tried to pick topics and guests that are going to be relevant to the African-American community. We've had on uh, Serlene Grant, who was down in Oakland. She's a former uh, press secretary to uh, former Speaker Willie Brown for Alameda County Supervisors. Um, and she had a lot of knowledge about what historically has happened when uh, transportation decisions and the location of freeways and how that affects the African-American community, mm -hmm. both in terms of emissions and in terms of knocking out housing and, and what happens when a community gets displaced, whether or not they're truly compensated or truly made whole again in whatever fashion. So uh, we had her on, we had Senator Nancy Skinner on recently. Hello and welcome again to another episode of Sacktown Talks. Today, we're joined by Tim Cromarty, Executive Director of the Environmental Justice League. Tim, how's it going? Thanks for joining us. Very good. Thank you for having me. Hey, no worries. So a lot of people know you from your work at the League of Cities and as a, mm -hmm. a former staffer. Can you kind of, you know, for people who don't know Tim Cromarty, can you give us a little background on yourself? Yeah, I have a 20-year career in the legislature, started as an assembly fellow and saw the tail end of the pre-term limits era when Willie Brown was still speaker. Uh, kind of got seduced by this place, the Capitol, stayed much too long as right. a staffer. Um, left, ducked out a couple of times to go into civil service. I spent a couple of years at CalPERS in governmental relations. And um, then I went to the League of Cities to lobby in public safety issues, mm -hmm. where I uh, learned and developed more expertise than I ever wanted about cannabis. Right. And uh, after that, left for three years to go into the private sector to help local governments write, uh, regulate cannabis by writing local ordinances. And as you know, for the past 14 months, I've been out on my own, decided to hang out my shingle with my own operation. So far, so good. Right. You know, it's funny. Is is that's when I met you and when you worked for the League of Cities and you did all the public safety stuff. Right. And everyone told me that you were a former police officer. Um, <laughs> I have had that. I had that reputation. Yeah. You know, I would make presentations when I was at the League, and I would have uh, other officers or city council members come up to me and say, "So, what department are you with?" So, I've always had that that cop demeanor right. since I was eighteen years old. Really, people have always thought I was a police officer. I don't know why. I just you know. Whatever, whatever the cop vibe is, right. I apparently have it. Yeah, uh, but it it serves me well when I have to interact with law enforcement. <laughs> exactly, but never thought about Hollywood. You know, looking for no. A you know, acting gig as a cop. No. Probably make a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, so now you're the executive director of the Environmental Justice League. Yes. What is the Environmental Justice League and kind of how'd you get involved with it? Well, it is a 501c3 nonprofit and we're dedicated to in, uh, advocating on environmental issues affecting communities of color. And often these are issues that uh, the mainstream environmental community doesn't address. Mm -hmm. uh, air quality around uh, ports and major highways where you tend to have a lot of heavy truck traffic right and as you know heavy trucks the bulk of them are diesel and that's the worst of the worst in terms of right. pollutants that we could breathe in um so it's uh i got involved with it shortly after i hung up my shingle as you know and just started talking with uh, russell lowry came in i was uh getting off space from you for a little right. while uh pro bono um and Russell sort of drew me in and and, and talked to me about the, what he contemplated the mission would be, and I was really intrigued. I wanted to do something that I thought would um, 
you know, benefit the community. I did a lot of things for law enforcement. I did a lot of things for a number of other interest groups. And, you know, I thought I had a real, when I hung up my shingle, I had a real, honestly, I had a real do-gooder impulse. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get out there and do things that I could, you know, feel good about. So this uh, sort of seized my attention. And uh, EJL, <clears throat> excuse me, has its origins in uh, the planned appropriation of uh, um uh, appointment rather of Mary Nichols by the Biden administration to head the EPA. And it turned out she had um, sort of a problematic interaction with the African-American community and what her track record and the Congressional Black Caucus effectively blocked that nomination. And that sent a shockwave through the environmental community. Mm-hmm. Uh, they reacted by um, beginning to hire more African-Americans. You see more more hiring going on, uh, trying to address, uh, focus on certain issues of concern to the African-American community. Uh, you didn't always see um, that in terms of the impact in terms of uh, what they would do in terms of directing resources to the communities most adversely affected by environmental policy or poor air quality, et cetera. So where we come in is we uh, advocate for those issues. For for example, you know, let's talk about in addition to what the state is pursuing now in terms of emissions reduction, it's diesel reduction, which uh, we badly need, as well as aggressive expansion of electric. But let's also be pursuing other things like cleaner fuels. Right. You know, regardless of what the source is, you know, whether it's natural gas or something else, because studies have shown that while you are going to get diesel emissions uh, benefits over time with electric, it's going to take 10 to 20 years, whereas it will take two to four years if you invest heavily in Natural gas, for example. We're not here to advocate for natural gas. We're here to advocate for the most immediate right. emissions reduction results. Exactly. And in whatever form, whatever that, wherever Clean that comes air from. today. Right. Yeah. Right. We need it now. Yeah. Our communities need that relief now. Because if you live near the Port of Oakland or Long Beach, and if you're right up, and I know people, for example, that live in proximity to the Port of Oakland, the asthma rates are through the roof. Mm. And if you're somebody in that community, you don't care Who's funding the effort to clean the emissions or, or to, to change the technology so that the air quality is better? You just right. want it to happen. So so Environmental Justice League, really cool name, kind of like mix of like superhero. Right. Uh, you know, who came up with the name and kind of who's who's on the board there? That was that was Russell's uh, creation. Uh, I, I always likened it to the Justice League of America. Yeah. I suggested that we have a similar logo. One of our board members insists that we have capes. That hasn't happened yet. But uh, our board members are a pretty high-powered group. It's all uh, black women, actually. And they're a pretty high-powered group. Uh, one is Alana Matthews, who is a former gubernatorial appointee to the California Energy Commission. She just uh, ran for Sacramento County District Attorney. I was like, I bet that name sounds familiar. Yeah, she's a You probably saw her, her campaign yeah. signs. <laughs> um, so she's very accomplished. Uh, she runs, uh, she teaches at McGeorge uh, School mm-hmm. of Law. Uh, Tiffany Alvidres is a former chief of staff to uh, Senator Holly Mitchell. And she's now in governmental relations in the Western region of the United States head of the, the Western region for Instacart, mm-hmm. which is an umbrella company that includes uh, DoorDash as one of its uh, affiliates. Wow. So Heavy uh, hitters. And all yeah, women, exactly. huh? Wow. Yeah, exactly. And then we have um, Timur Raspberry Harris, who um, started as an assembly fellow, as I did years ago, and uh, went to work for, I believe, um, one of the major utilities for Southern California. I think it was either SoCal Edison or San Diego Gas and Electric. She also um, is now, like me, hanging out on her shingle as an independent consultant. Uh, 
So uh, we have a pretty high-powered group. The last one is Tack Allen, who is the daughter of Bishop Allen, who is okay. well-known yeah. here in Sacramento. And she uh, kind of rounds out the group because she has a strong social justice background. She's often advocating in the legislature on education bills that uh, stand to adversely affect the African-American community. And um, she runs an organization, the Interfaith-Based Coalition, that has a lot of uh, affiliated organizations that are community-based organizations and nonprofits. Right. So it's a pretty high-powered board, definitely. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like we had Christina Garcia on a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. She was talking kind of exactly what you were talking about as you have the Port of Long Beach and the freeways all go down her district and then up and down the five, right? Yeah. So you just have that it's like flow emissions of, corridor. of diesel. Yeah. Right. So it's kind of interesting, like with your background with the League of Cities and kind of dealing with local control and planning and kind of this whole discussion about homelessness and housing and development kind of how does this unique skill set for you all kind of come together to help you kind of help this you know 501c3 kind of achieve achieve its goals well it definitely helps in terms of uh my experience working in the legislature and then lobbying on behalf of cities has has definitely helped me in terms of i'm much uh, more skillful as an advocate uh there's a group now trying to get a um, budget request letter going to um get a i think a 50 million dollar allocation again for cleaner fuels and uh the coalition that's putting it together is largely alternative energy companies and um uh there may be some uh oil and gas companies involved mm-hmm. But and they they don't always have the relationships to go into uh, members' offices and some of the communities that are most adversely affected. Right. We met with Assemblymember Holden. Uh, we proposed to them that we go in and talk to uh, Assemblymember Mia Bonta because she's got constituents that are right there in Port right. Oakland. And I, I said to them, I said, well, and they, they were kind of shocked. And I said, well, you know, look, you need to be talking to those folks because you can pull them in on this. Maybe even if they don't sit on the relevant budget committees or subcommittees, right? they are a voice and they are opinion leaders on this issue and the powers that be are going to listen to them. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't, um, uh, if you don't have the relationships to go in there and talk to them, we do. So uh, if, you're, if you're willing to cut me loose to do that, I'm, I'm willing to go do it. So, so far, so good. We've um, managed to get Assemblymember Holden on board. We're going to be targeting uh, Assemblymember Miyabata and some others to just help uh, have as diverse an advocacy group and as diverse a uh, universe of members who are advocating for this change. Right. So, um, and, you know, I have done some unconventional things in terms of, you know, I call it guerrilla lobbying, thinking outside the box in terms of, okay, well, if traditional lobbying isn't going to work, what are the pressure points that can get the powers to be to respond? You know, do we need to go to the press? Do we need to find uh, some research out there? Because right now we're just advocates screaming into the wind. If we can find some solid research out there that backs up what we're saying, it'll get them to sit up and take notice. Because a lot of members, uh, last several years, they're data driven. They, mm-hmm. they they won't respond to you, know, you need to do this, but they right. will respond to data. Right, and they they tend to take you more seriously if you say, "Well, this is the documentation we have to back up our argument." Right. So, you know, you've talked about kind of clean air and, and getting cleaner fuels uh, and transportation to, to achieve cleaner airs. What are some of the other policy things you guys are looking at and objectives? Uh, when we look at, um, for example, uh, there are uh, there's been a problem since 2010 uh, with the scientific community telling uh, the Department of Agriculture in uh, Washington, D.C., Department of Food and Ag, that we're using genetically engineered pesticides 
that are decimating the North American honeybee population. Now, this is not uh, this is an environment issue that we tend to join with Sierra Club and others on. And sometimes we do that. We'll join on mainstream issues, but there's not enough focus on it. The thing that's troubling about this and really frightening is that if you decimate the honeybee population, they are cross pollinators that we rely on for our food crops, for about 70 to 80% of our food crops. So it's not really smart to have a new pesticide that's wiping them out. I right. mean, their, their population has just nosedived. And the feds have been entirely too slow to act, in part because big ag is behind these new pesticides. And they're not, they're reluctant to change course. They're reluctant to to move to something else that, you know, maybe maybe it's less effective in terms of killing off the, the other um, the pests that are uh, eating their crops. But the point is, let's ease up on the honeybees because in, in time you're gonna uh, damage the food chain mm -hmm. and we'll be in a world of hurt because most of our, you know, you can't just eat protein and, and beef all the time. Right. You've got to have you your fruits and vegetables. No, okay. you know? <laughs> there tend to be problems <laughs> if you do that. Um, so we were active on that. We joined the Sierra Club. On, we joined the NRDC on the honeybee issue. We joined with Sierra Club on things like um, the took a surprising position last summer, and this is again in response to the Mary Nichols issue, um, they uh, took a position in support of reparations for African-Americans. We joined with them on that, but we also did some research in terms of the fact that uh, there has been, there was, you know, the, the classic 40 acres and a mule after the right. Civil War. Well, that never happened, but the reason why it didn't happen, and this was documented in a, a book by Catherine Frank called Repair, uh, there were efforts at the federal level to systematically frustrate uh, that objective and make sure it did not happen. They would have auctions for land, but it would be open to the general public as opposed to the former slaves. And of course, you have land speculators come in and just just bid things right. uh, out of out of uh, sight of the ability of the average former slave to pay land things of that nature. So. Um, we tend to take a broader view on that, but our, our primary focus is improving air quality because we don't see enough action on certain fronts in California. We are doing very good things, you know, with uh, CARB's objectives on uh, rapid expansion of electric as well as uh, diesel emissions reduction. But we don't see as much aggressive investment on the part of the state or advocacy on the part of the environmental community in terms of let's also have cleaner fuels. Uh, it's one thing to say uh, fossil fuels are bad. We need to wean ourselves off of them. But you've got to have some alternative fuel source eventually. Electric right. can't do it all. And the, For example, if you really want to uh, make progress on replacing a, a power source for heavy trucks, electric is not going to do it, not by itself. And um, uh, natural gas, on the other hand, there's evidence that it can. Mm -hmm. So we're just, uh, and I think part of the issue tends to be who natural gas is associated with. It's associated either with alternative energy companies or uh, the oil and gas industry. And for some reason, they tend to be persona non grata. And the environmental community doesn't want to embrace the technology because of who's behind it. So it's a sort of thing of shoot the messenger. Right. Uh, and our issue is, again, if you're living next to the Port of Oakland mm -hmm. and, you know, you're, you and your children have asthma, you don't care 
who's responsible for reducing emissions and having right. cleaner air in, in a year or two. You want time. a solution. You yeah. want a solution because it's damaging the health of your family. And I think that's the issue that we need to stay focused on. The messenger isn't really important. Obviously, if, if there are certain companies out there that are making money off of this, well, that's free market capitalism. Things tend to happen uh, if people can make money off right. of them. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's get focused on the technology that can benefit all of us by giving us cleaner air. And the uh, one of the there was a study recently that came out that even a lot of the coastal cities uh, where you would think there would be cleaner air unless there were a problem, they have a major emissions problem and air quality issues too now. And part of that is because of global warming, et cetera. But the, the point is, it's not just uh, a problem of the inner cities or the uh, Inland Empire or the Central Valley. It's it's along the coast now, too. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming a much broader problem than a lot of people realize. Yeah. So I understand I'm in a, I'm in a bit of trouble. I hear that you have, in fact, started your own podcast. Uh, <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about it and kind of some of the things yeah. you're talking about? Well, it's, we're not competing with Sectel Talks by any means because you guys have a much broader uh, array of policy issues right. that you deal with. We... Um, for now, we have tried to pick topics and guests that are going to be relevant to the African-American community. We've had on uh, Serlene Grant, who was down in Oakland. She's a former um, press secretary to uh, former Speaker Willie Brown. Excuse me. She was a candidate for Alameda County Supervisor. Um, and she had a lot of knowledge about what historically has happened when uh, transportation decisions and the location of freeways and how that affects the African-American community, both mm-hmm. in terms of emissions and in terms of knocking out housing and and what happens when a community gets displaced, whether or not they're truly compensated or truly made whole again in whatever fashion. So uh, we had her on. We had Senator Nancy Skinner on recently, uh, which is great talking about her SB 1075, which is a bill on green hydrogen that would, among other things, uh, position us to uh, compete for federal grants. I think the last year, last fiscal year, there was $9 billion nationwide made available by the feds for green hydrogen development. So she wants to position California to get a piece of that action and also stimulate uh, the production of green hydrogen in the state, as well as the infrastructure that's going to be required to get it to the Folks like us who are ultimately going to be using it, right. and and also to the the you know the heavy truck fleets, and then we had um, uh, forty acres last uh, just this week actually, uh, and they're talking about uh, conservation issues pertaining to the African American community and their use of state parks in the outdoors, why there's there can be a problem with the African American community not being willing to use those resources as much as others. And, you know, when you get out to these real rural areas and, you know, you and they, they cited the fact that part of the issue is you get out to these highly rural areas, you're far away from the city. You, when you see the first Confederate flag, you start to get a little nervous. Right. You know, um, so there's issues there, but then one of the things they're focusing on is um, uh, interacting with the the relevant state agencies to have more diversity among the concessionaires at the state parks in terms of, um, and the goal is to try to make the atmosphere in the state parks more welcoming. Mm-hmm. So um, again, issues that are relevant to the African-American community, we, over time, are probably going to branch out. But for now, that's our focus. And our our mission is uh, to raise awareness of environmental impacts, to have a multidisciplinary network of advocates, organizations that are going to work with us on achieving environmental objectives and develop practical, sustainable environmental solutions. Again, uh, 
let's have cleaner burning fuels in addition to electric and um, uh, diesel reduction. One of the issues with electric is it's dependent upon cobalt mining for the batteries. And that is happening under highly exploitive conditions in the Congo and Africa right now under under conditions that would never be tolerated in this country mm-hmm. to the point that some of the auto manufacturers that are heavily investing in electric, they're trying to find alternative sources because they don't want that to become a political problem right. and blow up. Um, so we, you know, we're got our fingers in a lot of little pots, but our, our focus is 100% pro-environment, 100% pro, pro-black for the time being. We don't have an issue with that because there's other organizations in the Latino community, for example, that have the exact same type of message. Uh, nobody's challenging them on it, but uh, we do uh, want uh, re- relief and cleaner air quality for our communities than we want it now. Right. And so if, if some of our listeners want to follow along or, or cross over to kind of see what you're doing, how do we get a hold of this podcast? Yeah, well, the podcast is going to be, I think, formally launched next week. You can um, check it out via links on our website, environmentaljusticeleague.org. Okay. And we also have a blog where we have a number of articles on there. Uh, there's lengthy articles about not only what we're doing in legislation, but, um, you know, the information on the honeybees, the uh, issue of reparations. And uh, there's just a lot of good things on there that, that folks can plug into. And we're looking to, you know, we're looking to expand and we can to partner with other organizations in terms of seeking uh, environmental justice grants as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, it looks like you're going to be busy this coming year. And oh, especially- yeah. At the end of this uh, budget uh, session here. Yeah, so. well, I'm, I'm wearing two hats. I'm not only the executive director, I'm also the policy director, because when I agreed to be executive director, there was nobody to backfill that position. Right. So, uh, same pay, more responsibility. <laughs> that's, that's the mentality. Yeah. Well, awesome, Tim. Thanks for joining us, and best of luck to you. And uh, we look forward to hearing uh, you on your podcast coming up. So. Great. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. Bye.